0: friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from Seven SistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm your host today, Sabrina Justison, and I'm here with Seven Sister... Kim Smythe. And Seven Sister... Marilyn Group. And our very dear friend, who gets to be the Seventh Sister today... <laughs> Yay! Barbara Fornell. And we have been homeschooling alongside Barb and her kids for... Far longer than any of us care to admit. Barb's eyes are bugging out here. We have had lots of homeschooling adventures together from when our kids were littles all the way up until they walked down that aisle and flipped that tassel and graduated. And Barb has particular experience in academic advising in our local community and has worked a lot with academically gifted students in our community. So we're going to be talking today about academically gifted students and homeschool high school and preparing for college and life and all things that go along with that right so first we're gonna we like to do a little bit of fluff and let people get to know people so tell us a little bit about you how many kids we'll start with that all right I have three daughters and they have gone on from homeschool what k-12 all the way yes they never went into school at all I homeschooled them from the beginning and then what kinds of things did they pursue after high school graduation? Uh,
1: my oldest, it will be graduating this year with a doctorate from Princeton University in electrical engineering. My middle daughter will be graduating this year also oh. from, <laughs> uh, uh, from uh, veterinary school at uh, UC Davis. She'll have a doctor of veterinary medicine degree. And then my youngest is in her third year in the architecture program at Penn State University.
0: Okay. Nice. So three very lovely um, career paths with lots of celebrations coming up this year for your family. (laughs) Graduations (laughs) will not be on the same weekend, will they? No. No, they're a week off. We had, yes. (laughs) Good. What what do people do when it falls on the same weekend? I mean, a few years ago, we had um, my stepson and his wife, so my daughter-in-law, graduated the same day. One from dental school and one from law school. And fortunately, the ceremonies were just a couple of hours off, and we're both in the greater Philadelphia area. So, man, we drove fast <laughs> from
1: one to the other. Well, I have we one in we California. California. I was going to no. say, no, we you don't care. drive really
0: fast. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't see that working too well. So good. I'm glad that they scheduled with yes. you in mind. That was very nice. Um, so how did you get into academic advising for homeschoolers other than your own kids? And what do you do for families? Ah, um, well, I think I got into it
1: kind of the back door. I just, I like to talk to people. (laughs) And and I was also very active in our local homeschool community. That's really probably the way that I I got into it, uh, as I directed the homeschool, one of the homeschool choirs, and I was involved in the rhetoric team, and people would just talk to me because. They've known my kids were a little bit older than the uh, kids that
0: I was dealing with. So they were like, You did this, you survived, how did you? So it's really kind of the whole big sister model that we're always talking about at Seven Sisters is if you've been there, done that, it's really nice if you can bless somebody a couple of years behind you on the journey. Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So when you are providing academic advisement for a family for high school what kinds of things are you are you choosing their courses for them are you what are you doing for them? Well basically
1: I'm trying to remind them that God has given gifts and talents to everybody for a particular reason and trying to help them and help the student really figure out what their gifts and talents are and why god gave it to them so then we can together i can make suggestions for choosing courses or extracurricular activities or you know in terms of high school figuring out what they want to do with their lives and whether if if college which usually most of the gifted students college is the the way that they're going but what are they going to major in what are they what's their job going to be
0: Right. So in a sense, you're discovering and uncovering things mm-hmm. rather than saying, OK, here's the cookie cutter. Here's how you do it. Go check everything off on this list and you will be perfect. Right. Because maybe there's not, not one, one right, right way to <laughs> homeschool high school for a gifted student. Yeah. Yeah. There's a common theme here in the Homeschool High School podcast, and mm-hmm. it's very intentional. There is not one right way because there is not one homeschooler. And each child has been uniquely designed by God and gifted and prepared for the plans that He has for them. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that we don't just try to mimic what someone else is doing that looks successful, but instead we seek God and and follow His direction for our kids. All right. Well, let's let's talk um, about this word gifted. <laughs> Isn't every child gifted? Mm -hmm. I know that as a mother, all of my children were most definitely gifted in my sight. So, you know, all children are fabulous and wonderful and great at stuff. Um, What does it mean when we're talking about a gifted student? Well, when the world
1: talks about a gifted student, it really their version of it is academically gifted in, you know, the traditional core academic classes. So you would be looking at somebody who's gifted in math and or science and or, you know, English and or foreign language and or, you know, some type of, you know, really history type area.
0: Okay, and I'm hearing a lot of and, ors in that list. So a gifted student is not necessarily brilliant in every core academic class. Oh, heaven forbid, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right,
0: you do yes. not want to see my kids taking foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody is gifted, they're maybe gifted in one area or in a few or mm-hmm. in some related areas? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And what are some of the ways that, um, let's say by middle school, um, as you're looking toward high school, but you're not quite there yet, what are some of the things that kind of alert uh, a homeschool parent to, yeah, it's not just that my kid was a natural student, because a lot of kids excel in the elementary years and then kinda hit a bump in the road around middle school and then maybe are not academically gifted, they're just good students who like school and who like learning, but okay, so what are some of the things that a parent can notice in those middle school, early, preteen teen years that you kind of go, wow, this one's this one's not an average student. This this one is gifted. Right. Well
1: if it's if it's if you're gifted in, say, math, that's probably a little bit more obvious. Because if you standardize test, and I'm not for standardized testing, but it's a way to show out if there's if they are scoring in the 95th to 99th percentile in a math standardized test, for example, then you can pretty much say, yeah, there's something to look at. Mm. It has absolutely nothing to do whether they're interested in the material or not. Ooh, Um, (laughs)
2: good
1: Well, I'll give you my oldest daughter's story. When she was in seventh grade, she decided she hated math and was not going to do any more of it. So I called one of your seven sisters, Vicki Tillman, (laughs) crying on the phone, saying... (laughs) <laughs> what do I do with this? Because she scored, my daughter did score in the 99th percentile. And she was ahead in math. And Vicky very wisely said, why did not you lay off on math for a year and see what happens? She's a- ahead. So Ooh. just take it easy. And I did that and by the time Debbie hit 8th grade, she was back in the swing of things and now she cannot understand why anybody would possibly not like math.
0: <laughs> wow. So there's some there's something there that is separate from whether you can do it and whether you're good at it. That is also probably tied to maturity and development mm-hmm. and interests and other distractions in your life at a particular time and yes so it's okay mm. for the parent of a gifted child to occasionally just lighten up huh oh most definitely awesome, awesome. Most definitely
1: mm. awesome in fact i think that's probably one of the better things you can do for a gifted student because if you keep pushing them into a certain area it doesn't it it focuses them too too quickly too soon mm. there, there really is a maturity level um, that students, middle school, and even early high school, they don't know what they really want to do, or mm. most of them, I would say. And you need to give them time to allow them to do that. And if you're pushing them currently, you know, you're good in math, so therefore you're going to take calculus by the time you're a sophomore, and then you're going to be registered for the local you know, college by the mm. time you're a junior, it can really start them narrowing down too fast.
0: Okay, so let's talk about why narrowing down too fast is not particularly a great idea. What kinds of broader things do you see as being important, especially for an academically gifted student? Um, one thing
1: is definitely to have some fun in high school. To have some time where you're just kicking off and enjoying what you, you know, what you enjoy. Uh, my oldest daughter. You know the the electrical engineer loves to bake and she loves to decorate cakes. She spent a lot of time decorating cakes in high school. She would decorate them for any particular occasion. It didn't really matter whether there was an occasion, but it was something she got her artistic bent out on that. So we let her have time to decorate cakes. Uh, We also encouraged extracurricular activities so that it wasn't looking like the only thing that she did was school. Colleges do not want to see that. Uh, so she was really highly involved in our local rhetoric team.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: she also did a lot in terms of art as well. And in middle school, she did choir. In fact, she sang for you in choir she in middle school. I remember
0: that. I remember <laughs> She that. wasn't as know. interested
1: in singing when she got to high school, but that was okay. There were other things. They don't have to all follow the same
0: path. Mm-hmm. But definitely have time to do that as well. Mm. Okay, so I know that there are people who get kind of stuck in this. How do you find the right balance between um, building on that area of strength, but then also shoring up areas of weakness? And in some cases, if you have a kid who's very academically gifted in a number of subjects, sometimes those weak areas are kind of like not standard transcripty things, like maybe it's character development, maybe it's social skills, mm-hmm. maybe it's um, athletic. Uh, taking care of your body, phys ed, kind of stuff that that are things that need some attention. Um, so, if you've got a kid who would be happy to be buried in their area of giftedness <laughs> and who would be happy to just do nothing but work on that thing that they're awesome at, um, how what are what are some things you're talking about? Extracurriculars? Are these? What am I trying to get at? Oh. You okay. force them into doing something. There That's you go.
2: What I'm, what I'm Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. sometimes
1: you do. Sometimes you do. Uh, I forced my oldest daughter into doing rhetoric when Mm. Vicki Tillman was running the rhetoric team, the local rhetoric team that we had here. And uh, she didn't want to do it, and it wasn't a natural. And I think she you, was terrified. She was white as a ghost. Yeah, I've never mm-hmm. seen anybody white as a ghost that expression. Mm. She really was. Oh, yeah. Oh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. But I'll tell you a funny story uh, about a year ago, she well not even a year ago, a couple of months ago she went to Austria to give a presentation for uh on her research and her professor was her advisor was helping her and their advisor made the comment, "You are just such a natural speaker <laughs> <laughs> and I told Debbie did you tell her you weren't and she said no <laughs> Why
0: would I do that? That's wild. That's wild. Okay, Marilyn, you've got a lot of years working with other homeschool families beyond just your own, too, because Marilyn's been Mm -hmm. the principal of our local um, day school, umbrella school, diploma program. There are so many names in the (laughs) school. Our local awesome place. (laughs) Yes, yes. The place to be cool when Mm -hmm. you are a high school homeschooler. Um, So, what are some of the extracurriculars that you've seen be really powerful good choices for because you've seen a lot of kids come through here who are maybe a little too narrowly focused and
3: we definitely have seen some kids who are too narrowly focused we also see some that spend so much time on extracurriculars (laughs) they don't have time for academics but um, there needs to be a balance between the two and (laughs) uh, college especially colleges right now especially want to see extracurricular activities that you're involved in for more than just one year mm. they want to see a couple of things that maybe you did all four years of high school or at least two or three years mm. so you can't just wait till your junior year and say oh i need to do extracurriculars because i'm getting ready to apply mm. because they've kind of figured that out okay. that that's what so you're doing. So Barb's
0: mentioned some fine arts stuff and choir and then rhetoric which for people who don't know what it, what is a rhetoric? Just define that for us. What is a rhetoric? Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's speech. It's public
1: speaking is
0: really what it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we use the rhetoric for a fancy term. When I was in high school it was obviously called the forensics team and in college mm-hmm. it's Dillas call a forensics team. But the problem is forensics has gotten a very interesting meaning. And my middle daughter competed on the forensics team in college. And they kept asking, her (laughs) friends kept asking her, how do you dissect a body Uh and compete? And she was like, it's not that
3: type
0: of forensics. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, so, with that being an mm. extracurricular, dissecting the. <laughs> well, no. Maryland's a physical a dead, so. Maryland
3: I have done that, dead bodies. Dead bodies. but not in high um, school. <laughs> okay, so what do you see? Like, I know Mount got uh, mm. sports, I mean, okay. we have many kids involved in sports, many students involved in dance and that mm. kind of fine arts, aside from, you know, choir, dance, um, sports teams. So some of those also give you the opportunity to be part of a team, which can mm. look good mm. or show leadership. Um, church activities, church activities.
2: Mm-hmm. Civil Air Patrol is popular right. around here. Boy Scouts are, yeah. Scouts are very are very big
1: yeah. for a lot of our male students. Mm-hmm. Girl Scouts, not so much for the girls. Yeah. I don't. I haven't had no. anybody in. But Boy Scouts, we yeah. definitely have a lot of yeah. Eagle Scout. Right. Mm. Right.
0: Right. And then we also encourage service just pretty much across the board for all high schoolers, right? Yes. So involvement in things that show more than just academics, that show that you're helping to develop yourself as a person while you're in high school, not just as a mathematician or as a writer or whatever your your area of giftedness is. All right, so let's look at some of those subject areas. Um, We're just going to kind of plow through the basic core academics, and if you have any Resources that you recommend just off the top of your head. Um, BT Dubs, we are not affiliates for anything that gets mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> we just share ideas that we've seen be wonderful for us. So there, that was said. That has to be said. Um, fine, fine print. <laughs> fine print, yeah. So you've now read the fine print for today's podcast. Um, so you've got a student who is gifted in math. What are some of the things that you've seen be uh, great things for Math gifted students to try in high school, and if you can't think of something, just say pass. That's okay too. <laughs> well, it kind of depend Part of it kind
1: of depends on where you are in the country. We're fortunate here to be able to offer a lot of high level classes at our school. Um, if you're not in an area. Uh, An honors pre-calculus or honors calculus course is not going to just readily appear and you're probably talking about a community college or a college type class because of that so in some respects it really kind of depends Um, my oldest daughter because she was really good in math essentially talked calculus to herself with saxon calculus she used Uh, my middle daughter who's not you know, particularly math-oriented because she's the vet, uh, she also taught herself calculus using the book that I currently use in my calculus class for Mount Sophia. So a student who knows how to teach themselves mm. is a student who's going to do well in college when they have an awful oh. professor. <laughs>
0: good point. I just had Very a conversation
1: with
2: one of my kids about that about three hours ago. Oh. <laughs> so the... Class in college,
1: I had a a physical chemistry class Mm. and the professor came in and announced that he hated undergraduates, was despised (sighs) teaching this class and don't even bother asking him any questions because he had no office hours. Oh, my. What? So I decided, yes, I decided I was going to get an A in this class despite him. And I taught myself <laughs> physical chemistry. I still could do all the physical chemistry problems. And I aced that class. I had a yeah. 99 in that
0: class. Because <laughs> I got mad. Yeah. <laughs> a little righteous anger. Oh my, well but,
1: but students being able to <clears throat> teach themselves when they have a professor that maybe isn't the most useful. Or doesn't teach in the same way that they understand mm-hmm. is a good thing to do in high school for any student, but especially for gifted students. Um, they have to be depend not learn not to be dependent on, on a teacher. A teacher. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Okay, what about someone who is very strong in the sciences? Um, if you don't have a lot of dead bodies lying around, <laughs> then <to> dissect, <laughs> and what are some other things that you can do to take a kid who is really like physics-minded or really chemistry-minded or really biology-minded? Um, what are some things you could do to make that a richer, stronger experience? Um, a lot of it. I, the Internet
1: is mm. a plethora of wonderful things as well. It's not so wonderful things, <laughs> yeah. but in terms of... You know, experiments. You can see lots of things on the internet that you would never be able to do in person. Uh, when I teach my advanced chemistry class, one of the things I make them show, I make them look at, is at uh, the Royal Academy of Sciences in England has a video up that is the chemistry of fireworks, and they shoot off all these oh, fireworks. Oh, cool! Inside. Oh, they don't have OSHA okay. laws over there. I'm convinced yeah. they don't. Wow. But so there's lots. There's things that you could not do, right, legally or morally, mm. <laughs> in a class. But you can find it. Uh, there is. You have to have hands-on, obviously, in sure. science. And there's lots of good curriculum out there with lots of good lab kits. And I mean, I'm amazed at what you can actually buy off of Amazon. It's actually frightening what chemicals
3: yeah. you can buy off of Amazon. <laughs> There are also opportunities for, like, summer camps yes. for various oh, yeah. types of sciences or, or, or almost anything. So maybe they'll be at a college, in a college setting for a week or two during the summer doing intensive lab-type experiences, which might be worth the time and money for someone who's really interested in a particular field. The only thing that I would suggest is you
1: vet the teachers of those, because even though sometimes they're offered a class, offered by colleges, the level of instruction isn't great. Mm -hmm. So you want to really vet on some of them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Some of them are very good, but some Mm -hmm. of them you just want to want to ask who's teaching this and what Mm -hmm. what's their Yeah. What's the background?
0: Right. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. What about a kid who is really strong in language arts? Reading and writing actually counts as giftedness, right? It doesn't have to be the the math and science people.
3: Yeah. Even there, there are lots of online writing programs, which would be a nice alternative if you don't have access to classes nearby. Um, Again, community colleges might have them. The nice thing is that a student should get used to writing for different people. because if you're only writing for mom you know how to write for her and you're not flexible as far as other people may be looking for something entirely different and when you get to college that's going to be your experience so it's a great idea to write for different people there are homeschool programs as well as online programs and then even contests and things you can enter to actually have other people look at your writing
2: And one of the coolest things I did was actually my kids took classes with Marilyn and with Sabrina because, A, they like like reading more than I do. And so I wanted my kids to catch that. I didn't want them to think, oh, reading's not that or writing's not that exciting or writing's that hard. Um, And so Marilyn's strengths with writing is way more in the um, expository, I guess, do I want to say. And Sabrina's really gifted on the creative end and so having my kids learn how to work for both of them and, and learn how to do those different types of writing. And, and research. Like, and research, yes. And like Marilyn said, just to learn that different people, are when they grade, are looking for different things. And you've got to learn if you're going to be successful in college, and you're going to write in just about anything I think, except the sciences and the math. Well, even then, uh, yeah. you you
1: still yeah, right. have to write. You're still writing up reports. You're mm-hmm. still writing. You have to be maybe more factual rather than the creative, and they really probably wouldn't. It- Appreciate some of your flowery language, Are you Serena? telling me I would make a poor electrical engineer? I'm so <laughs> <excited> by that <laughs> remark. But you still have to be able to string sentences together and have them
0: make sense. Yes. Sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sure.
0: So one thread that I'm hearing running through all of this is that if you have an ac- academically gifted high schooler, it's important that they know something about the way they learn best that they have some ideas of how to learn in an environment that is not their ideal learning environment and that you expose them to a lot of different styles of teaching if possible because these are all things that are going to be building up an area that is already strong but equipping them to take it then to that college level where they're not going to have mom sitting with them Um, There's not going to be the same level of support system. It's not going to be taught to their learning style necessarily. And so if they've gotten confident in teaching themselves from a text or in adding the kind of supplemental resources that make it come right into place for them, then they're going to succeed in those on those very demanding courses that they're going to be pursuing in college. Yes. And they're going to have the tools. All right. So learning to be a student is is important for gifted students just as much as it is for struggling students. Oh, definitely.
3: And time management, is really important Ooh. for all of us. Awesome. Yes, yeah. for all of us, actually.
0: <laughs> Good point. That whole mm. lifelong learning thing, about time management. Oh my! Whew. Yes, indeed. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the overall transcript. Um, how do you capture higher levels of learning on the homeschool high school transcript? and make it legit so that a college admissions officer is not looking at it going "Uh uh-huh yeah I don't think so. (laughs) So yeah we've got we've got high-level courses we've got a lot of success how do we correctly capture that so that colleges take it seriously? What's a little bit easier for students in our school because obviously Mount
1: Sophia uh, is the one who looks at their work decides and we have a long very strong background with both our local colleges and colleges outside of our local
0: area so it legitimizes so just to be clear it. about what, what we're talking about because some people have no experience with a group like this. Mount Sophia Academy is our is in our local area here in Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania where all three states kind of come together and it provides um, opportunities for group classes and this sort of thing and and Students can take some or lots of, of classes with other homeschooled high schoolers, but it also provides oversight in a diploma program. So you have an academic advisor beyond mom and dad looking over things a couple of times a year and um, keeping parents, keeping the parents on track for keeping <laughs> track of everything that needs to go on the transcript by the end. So it's giving that, that extra, more objective pair of eyes to see are things really staying on track and are you documenting things in a way that then you'll be able to back this up down the road. So that's what a diploma program offers and it's not that it's a it's a must-have thing it's that it is a really helpful resource and it's homeschooling a community it's bringing it's bringing um, people together and Someone's coming together now, calling us on a cell phone. So. <laughs> community in action right there. That's right. Yes. Okay, so... It's I'm really sorry, the so bat back phone. To, <laughs> yes, it's the bat phone. Shh, don't tell. We're in the back game. Um, so, back to transcripts. How do you capture these, these honors level, AP level, these kinds of things on the transcript? Well...
1: AP is pretty straightforward because it has to be an AP class in order to be labeled AP. So there, so whatever class you take has to have a teacher that was, uh, had gone through the process of getting AP certification for that particular class.
0: And that comes through College Board, right? This that is not comes, something anybody gets to make up on their own. No, it doesn't. Uh, I am not a big
1: fan of, of AP classes because basically what they do is teach to the AP test. Uh, my daughter at Princeton... Mm-hmm. at the professors complain bitterly about the Princeton students, who of course have all taken all these AP classes, uh, who have taken AP calculus and cannot actually use calculus. They can get a five on the AP test, but they, when you're actually using calculus in an engineering setting, they don't know what they're doing.
0: Interesting.
1: So I'm not a big fan in general, especially math and science uh, of the AP classes in general. So I have, I personally have not got certified for AP because of that. But if you if you have AP classes, then as I said, it's pretty straightforward to put that on the transcript. Everything else is what uh, we level our classes. So for us, a uh, well level one would be a remedial class for students who have, you know, having documented learning issues. Uh, level two is a just straight run of the mill high school class. Level three is a college prep class. Level four is an advanced class, which is about one and a half times the amount of material that you would have in a college prep class. And level five is an honors class. And some of that is dependent on what level it is. Some of it depends on Your academic advisor, what your academic advisor calls it. And it varies from school to school. The schools that are stronger have stronger requirements for their level fives. The schools that are a little bit weaker in the colleges do know them, Mm -hmm. have, have less requirement. If you were doing this without a school, probably the best thing to do is to take a look. For my classes, for example, my honors level classes, I take college textbooks I, I scout the area, find out what the colleges are using for calculus or advanced chemistry, and I use those books. And that gives yeah. me confidence that the, when I say it's a mm. level 5, it's a level it 5 class. Really mm.
0: well, and then if you have a class that you are <clears throat> using um, Carnegie units and logging hours as a part of what you're documenting, then again, you're you're looking at a lot of hours of rich experiential learning. And it's it's measurable because you're yes. actually logging those hours you're not just kind of going yeah I think we did a lot this year it seems like it's really <laughs> intense you've got to be able to back it up yes
1: yes that is true okay
0: um so we've got our transcript and it's it's showing levels and it looks very impressive and every single class on that transcript shows that the student earned an a right 100 percent across the board in all subjects all the time is that the best way to go no, not necessarily. <laughs> now, good students are good students and I have no problem with a high
1: schooler who has a 4.0 because it's a lot easier to get a 4.0 in high school than it is in college. Mm. So, I don't have a as I said, I don't have a problem with students having a 4.0 in college. But high you school. or high, high school. school. Mm. But you have a you have to be careful as to they're not going to take level 5 in every single class. Mm-hmm. They just can't. And survive because they're not going to be good at everything. Even the gifted students, you may, usually math and science usually go together, sometimes okay. not. But so you can take level five maths and sciences, but they're not going to be the ones who are taking level five histories or level five uh, language arts classes or level five Spanish. Or, you know, language classes. Because you're not going to be good at everything. And that's okay. You have to take the history. You have to take the language arts. You have to take the the foreign language. But you don't have to take them, and you shouldn't take them at all at those levels. Because all you're going to get is a burnt-out kid.
0: Mm. Burnt-out kids. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just be real. We're not going to say any names. Mm. We're going to be very, very gracious and respectful. But we've all seen... Over the <clears throat> several years <laughs> yes. that we've been involved with homeschool, high school students, we've seen burnout. Oh, and yes. And it's not pretty. What are what are some of the things that you've, if you just sort of play back some faces in your mind, what are some of the kinds of things that you have seen come, uh, unpleasant outcomes for a kid who was just pushing so hard across the board in every subject area? Sitting in a classroom and just crying.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Seen that. Mm-hmm.
3: Sometimes we see cheating because they're pushing so hard and they get to the to a deadline and they just can't do it. And they can't and they take the shortcut. Isn't that remarkable? Gifted students will indeed cheat if they're simply <laughs> sleep
0: deprived and overwhelmed and the list is too long that that can be, yeah, and that's not, not something we often think about, but mm. if you push somebody far enough into a corner, they just may make a really bad choice. Yes. Yeah. I have definitely seen loss of friendships and relationships. I've seen a kid who was social and relational and well-adjusted, and I've seen them withdraw and withdraw and isolate because all they can do is just try to be smart and do lots of schoolwork.
2: Yes, and and unfortunately, we've also seen uh, family relationships where if the parent is pushing and the student is, it's really the parent's desire to drive and to push. And it's really not the student's perception or desire where sometimes, and you know, we all bump, up, bump heads occasionally with our kids. But, you know, if it gets, if it's too out of balance, we've also seen families where that's really, really strained the relationships between the parents and the students. Good
0: point. Yeah, for most of us, one of the reasons that we homeschooled was because we wanted to be involved in our children's lives. And we didn't want to just be separated from them for 40 or 50 hours a week. We wanted to be a part of their formative years and for it to turn into nothing but get it done, get it done, get it done at the highest level possible. Prove yourself. There's not a lot of room for relationship in the family either. No, no, there isn't. Um. One other thing that we talked about as we were planning for this podcast is allowing time for personal exploration, for career exploration, mm, for yes. pursuing interests and passions. And Barb, you mentioned this briefly at the, at the beginning, um, that it's important to have some fun. Yes. It's an important to find out about yourself and about who God created you to be. Can you just, both you and Marilyn, share a little bit of, of examples of positive ways that you've seen gifted students do that personal exploration and maybe negative choices that you've thought, golly, I oh, I wish they could have just not put themselves into that narrow definition so soon. Right. Um, I'm thinking of
1: uh, some uh, girl that I knew that, was pretty much going to go into, I would say, the family business. It wasn't really a business, but it was what a lot of her siblings and her father did. And there wasn't anything else that she would ever consider doing. And I had a conversation with her about a year ago, and she's been out of high school now for eight years. And she finally admitted she probably should have looked at some other things in high school. Hmm. Other than Mm, what she thought. Yes, that one choice. Mm. And is she gifted in that area? Yes. But she could have used that gifting in other career choices rather than the one that her siblings and her dad happened to make. Mm.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's probably a whole lot less costly in many, many ways, costly, <laughs> yeah. to explore some different career possibilities while you are still a high school student than oh, yes. it is to have to make a career change as a young adult or um not-so-young adult. Either. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So... Can I tell you a, a horror story from from Suzanne's sure. experience? This has not happened to Suzanne, but uh, Suzanne is my youngest, and she went to she's at Penn State in the architecture department. The architecture department is very small at Penn State; it only accepts seventy students. Now, this is a university that, and the main campus has forty thousand undergraduates. Okay, so big place. <sighs> the first day of architecture class, they showed up after the first class. A kid announced, I'm going to go and drop this major. I didn't realize they designed houses. I don't want to do that.
0: (laughs) What? (laughs) How do you do that? (laughs) How do
1: you end up there? I have no clue. Now, I have no problem with somebody deciding after a semester or two that this isn't for them. In fact, Suzanne, after her first year, really thought long and hard about whether it was something that she wanted to stay in. But... To do it after
2: the first (laughs) class of the first day, and just to not have even known, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's what we do. (laughs)
0: Wow. Right.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a
1: good horror story. Well done. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And do you know how much that that parent was paying for the main campus at Penn Mm -hmm. State to get them there for them to then make a change? Now again, I'm not saying that your child can't ever
0: make can't ever make
1: a change, but you should go into college. With some semblance, at least, of, you know, dealing with through the first semester,
0: at right. least, yeah. of an idea right. of what major you want. Wow. Whew. Yeah.
2: That's a story. Yeah. That is a story.
0: Marilyn, what have you seen of, of people either doing a great job of pursuing personal development and career exploration and or not so great?
3: Well, we did have one student one time who wanted to be a large animal vet. And she shadowed a vet for several months and at the end decided that she also wanted to have a family and she didn't feel like that lifestyle was very conducive for raising young children. And she went into college as a music major instead. So uh, oh, okay. changed her mind. Mm. But she changed her mind with information yes. you know, already. And I mean, we've had other students shadow ER doctors and realize that, you know, they worked for their first 10 years mm. to pay back the debt Yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. they accrued getting there. And again, it was a young woman who, um, the actual doctor she shadowed was a young woman who was working almost solely to repay her debt and wanted to be home with her children more. Mm. So there's lifestyle issues that You can learn before you've spent eight years getting there because at that point, you're pretty much stuck. You have to pay back that debt. Good point. And
0: I'm just going to throw a shameless plug in here. Vicki Mm -hmm. Tillman is not with us today, and she often is here on the podcast, but she created a career exploration um, workbook that then is also a part of a bundle that you can find at sevensistershomeschool.com, and it is really well designed for any student, average student, remedial student, or gifted student, because it is encouraging you with specific questions, including things like, how much is leisure time important to you? Yeah. Are you a super social person? Is being involved in clubs and are you someone who very much wants to have a family and maybe wants to do that at a fairly young age? Because those kinds of questions are just as important as what did you score on the SAT for your math? Um, you need to take all of those things into account and most teenagers are not gonna ask themselves those kinds of questions. Right. They're gonna need someone to guide them and encourage them to look at counting the cost um, for for career pathways that they pursue. The other thing I would say is get people into your
1: children's lives so you can trust and can speak yes. into their lives. Uh, use, I'll use use Vicki as an example with my oldest daughter. She was the one who looked at Debbie and said, God didn't give you a gift and talent in math for nothing. Mm. And even though Mom says it, oh. Mrs. Tillman said... And I find myself, I'm laughing now because I'm in that position. I mm-hmm. have parents tell me, they'll do it for you. And I'm like, well, my kids didn't, so don't feel bad. That's they did lovely. it for Vicki. Right. Mm-hmm. So having having other people in your kids' lives who can tell them that, who you trust, who can tell them and encourage them, make a difference in teenagers' lives.
0: Very good. Yeah, that reminds me. My my daughter um, had two women in her life in high school, both of whom were really wonderful resources. And the one um, was strongly encouraging her to go to college for music. And Becca loved music, but hated with all that was in her, anything to do with being in the spotlight and being the center of attention. And so
3: auditions
0: and performances – were not great. Now would she have loved to teach music in a classroom? Yes, but in order to get to that point there were going to be a lot of auditions and a lot of performances. And she was agonizing over this and she had even, um, she was to the point of auditioning at colleges. <laughs> and she had met with, with the woman who was, who was mentoring her in, in preparing for her music stuff. And the woman kept saying, you can do this, You're, this is a good fit. This, and in many ways it was. But not the audition part. <laughs> and um, after Becca had, you know, almost gotten her head stuck in a trash can in a parking garage, uh, throwing up on her way to an audition, I hope she's not listening to this podcast. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> uh, it's actually one of her favorite stories. She's like, yeah, remember the time I almost got my head stuck in the trash can in the parking garage because I was throwing up on the way to my audition? Um, but she met with Vicki and she said, you know, I know that this is, this is in me and I know God put this in me and I I... I really would kind of like to be a music teacher, but. And Vicki just said to her, Becca, do you hate to audition and perform? Becca's like, I hate it. Vicki said, then that's okay to weigh that in very heavily because that is a part of moving in mm-hmm. this career direction. And she ended up going to school for education, but not. Music education. Mm-hmm. And does she still love music? Absolutely. But she chose an education path that was not going to require her to audition <laughs> and perform. And she very rarely now throws up in parking garages. So, you know, it's it was a, a good, good choice. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and I'm now sure she... her husband appreciates that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and now she uses that
2: gift in your drama camp in That's the right. summer. That's right. In and a way that she to, to, yes. loves it. Yes. And no vomiting involved.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. No auditioning, so no vomiting. It's all good. Go. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's wrap this up with college. Uh, Searching for college, uh, applying to colleges, getting ready for college interviews. What are things that are maybe unique to gifted students that you just want to keep in mind? Because mom and dad need to be doing a lot of wise facilitating and equipping, um, even while the student should be very much involved in the process of finding a college, choosing a major. So what are some things that, that gifted students and their parents want to think about when looking for college and applying? Well, first of all, you have to remember that just because a college has a name doesn't
1: necessarily mean that it's good. Mm. Or that it's good in the area that you want it to be. And just because and vice versa. Just because a college doesn't necessarily have the top notch you know, name that it's not good in the area that you're particularly interested in. Um, so you need to look at the areas, hence career exploration, mm. that your student is interested in. And then you need to set some parameters and see both from a monetary monetary standpoint mm. and also what your child wants. in order for them to be successful, I really feel personally that when your child is ready to leave the nest, God is going to speak to them as to where they're supposed to go. Mm. And yeah, maybe yeah. you'll get confirmation but they're not going to be you're not yes. going to be the one that's telling them this is where you're going yeah, yeah. now you can, Put into it like this is how much money we have this is you know this is our parameters but they're going to hear from God themselves M- my oldest did not want she did not want to have anything to do with dorm life so she didn't want to go away to a college because in order to go away to college you had to stay in the dorms for at least a year so she went to our local university which has a top-notch engineering program so that worked for her so I just think it was God just dovetailing mm-hmm. everything together. Uh, alternatively, my middle daughter, who is my home-loving child, who wanted to stay home, God booted her to Ohio, and her vet school is in California. <laughs> <laughs> we'll joke her first job is probably going to be in Australia. She did actually work in Australia for a couple of weeks in uh, two summers ago because oh, of wow. that. Wow. Um, Suzanne? When she went into high school, she wanted to go to a small Christian college. <laughs> then God told her to be an architect. And there are no small Christian colleges that have architect. a degree in architecture. So she's at Penn State. Mm. Really, it's it's exactly where God wanted her. She's very active in Campus Crusade, and it's something that, that she really enjoys. Um, so you need to help your child find them, but not go into, my child's gifted, therefore they have to go to Princeton or Harvard. Mm. Good mm. one. Um, they're gifted, but what do they want to do, and what's a good program for them, and what's your parameters, and what's their parameters.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Marilyn, do you have anything to add to that, the college piece of it?
3: No. Obviously, the college visit is going to be very important as well because I've known students who were, they might think they want to go into an urban setting or a large school, and when they get there, they find that it doesn't fit them well. So it's important for them to have seen a couple of different options. You don't have to go visit every college right off the bat. You can wait, and if you're accepted to one, go and see it. But it is important to go and see what the campus is like, what the atmosphere is like before committing to four years.
1: Very good. Mm-hmm.
3: So again, we're talking about looking at more than just the academics,
0: looking at life and looking at being well-rounded and planning for a balanced college experience. Just like hopefully we're encouraging you to go for a balanced high school experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes.
1: The other thing I would actually say about college visits is oftentimes they can be part of a career exploration because my oldest daughter, who's in electrical engineering, was going back and forth between electrical and mechanical engineering, and she went to visit a college, Mm -hmm. sat down with a professor, and he really was able to explain what the difference was. She was also looking at architecture, and so she was, she actually went and talked to somebody who explained that, and she really decided I'm better off being an electrical engineer, and it has worked out. She is not a traditional electrical engineer by what you consider traditional, mm. but she really loves what she's doing. But that came out of the college visit as well. So giving a student time to do that in high school is mm. really important. Beautiful. Wonderful.
2: I hear there's a great story, maybe as we're getting close to wrapping up, about a, a visit that uh, that she took. and something about wrapping it all the way back around to that rhetoric team oh yes they
1: were really you have to understand engineers have a reputation for not being able to string two sentences together in public so the fact that she was actually on and competed on a rhetoric team in high school was phenomenal to the college they thought it was really quite you know a wonderful thing that she could come in as an engineer and know how to speak
0: Mm -hmm. in public Isn't that interesting? I would never have thought of something like that, but um, that is a pretty perfect way to capture this whole, there is more to your child Mm -hmm. than just a single area of academic giftedness. And it is so important to see them as a person, to um, seek God's guidance in discovering all the different things that He wants you as the parent to be coaching and to be strengthening and to be equipping and sometimes just making your kids sign up for, um, in order to, to be ready for life, not just good grades. Yes. Mm. So. Well, I hope that today's episode has been an encouragement to families who have a gifted student. Um, I know that a lot of times we find homeschoolers choosing to homeschool their gifted child because they want them to be challenged and stretched and to have opportunities that perhaps aren't, they're not going to get in a traditional school setting. And... Um, That is a great reason. That's a wonderful reason for choosing to homeschool. And at the same time, we are, as always, just reminding you from the Big Sister perspective that there's not one right way to homeschool a gifted child in high school. And it is um, so good for your child and for your whole family, for that matter, to keep this whole idea of balance and avoiding burnout and um, career exploration and the involvement of other trusted individuals in your teen's life um, so that that whole high school experience with a gifted child can be something that is good for everybody. So if you are looking for more resources on um, homeschooling your gifted child in high school or on capturing courses correctly with levels on the transcript, all of those sorts of things can be found in lots of blog posts at 7 And we'd like to thank Barb Varnell for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been fun talking about gifted kids in high school, and we look forward to the next episode with you here on the Homeschool High High School School Podcast Podcast. from 7SistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. See you next time.